feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, Alvin Bragg is firing back at the House GOP, which has issued a whole bunch of subpoenas. And let's hope at some point they send a subpoena for Alvin Bragg himself. Of course, Alvin Bragg is the Manhattan DA who went after Trump and, of course, as we know, was arraigned this week on 34 felony counts. I mean, it doesn't get crazier than that. And you think about all the issues tied to this. And Alvin Bragg is still trying to figure out where the cases go. He won't even tell everybody what are the criminal charges that are making it to essentially a felony count. And during the press conference, people were saying, well, what's the count that you're doing to elevate it to a felony? From a misdemeanor. And how is this a misdemeanor? And he was like, uh, 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 I'm trying to figure it out. Well, he doesn't think that he has to answer to anybody. He doesn't think that he has to respond to anyone. And case in point, he doesn't also want anybody to be talking to Congress. Tonight, Alvin Bragg is basically sending a message back to the House Judiciary Committee chair, that's Jim Jordan, who really is trying to go after all of this and say, hey, listen, the American public deserves to know what's going on. The American public needs to know, first of all, were federal taxpayer dollars used to go towards the indictment of President Trump and the investigation of President Trump? Remember, Alvin Bragg basically ran and campaigned on going after President Trump, that that was like priority number one for him. And so I think it's appropriate that Alvin Bragg answers some questions tied to the case, and especially if there are federal taxpayer dollars. He wrote back to Jim Jordan at one point saying, yeah, there was some federal money used. So if that's the case, Congress should have oversight. And if Congress is asking you to come and tell the truth, well, guess what? If you have nothing to hide, why not go before Congress? To me, there is no mystery here. But for some reason, Alvin Bragg is dodging and weaving. He doesn't mind saying, hey, my priority is going after President Trump. Forget about all the other serious crime that is taking place in New York and elsewhere across the country. Don't worry about those felons that are getting reduced to misdemeanors by 52 percent under Alvin Bragg. Oh, no, no. Don't worry about that. Going after Donald Trump is the priority, remember, case and point. And yet, he doesn't seem like he has to answer to anybody. And he was kind of bothered during the week, remember, when he had the press conference right after the indictment. And he basically said at that time when he was asked by reporters, by the way, from all different networks, it wasn't just conservative networks, it was like all the different networks were asking him, you know, Uh, Where is this other crime that you somehow did legal gymnastics to get it moved up from a misdemeanor to a felony? And he said, well, you know, we don't have to really reveal it. I mean, you're going after the president of the United States, the former president, maybe potential future president, the leading candidate. And you don't feel like you need to answer anything. To me, it was very arrogant, very narrow focused. 
and completely outrageous when you're thinking about going after the president of the United States. It should be crystal clear. There shouldn't be any gray. It shouldn't be like, well, maybe I have something and at some point I'll pull it out and I'm not going to tell even the defense what this other crime is that has never been elevated before to be combined with this sort of a misdemeanor, which is falsifying business records. If the last name wasn't Trump, he would never have gone after President Trump. So to me, it is stunning that Alvin Bragg, every step of the way, has just contended that, no, I don't have to answer to Congress. And now he's saying nobody in his office or even former employees should have to answer to Congress. I mean, that's pretty audacious. Like, we are insulated. We are above the law. But, boy, going after Trump on falsifying business records, that is so much more dangerous than everything else that's happening on the streets of New York. Have you seen the numbers of the streets of New York? Have you seen the people and the problems that are happening on the streets in terms of subway crime, in terms of all this other crime that is going on in the streets of New York? And yet, Alvin Bragg, again, is laser-focused on President Trump. And now he doesn't think, again, that he has to reply, not even to Congress, because Alvin Bragg is above Congress, I guess, in his mind. So recently, Congress had sent Jim Jordan. Remember, there is this guy, Mark Pomerantz. Now, Mark Pomerantz is a former prosecutor. He used to work in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. And then he resigned over disagreements with Bragg. He was upset that Bragg wasn't pursuing Donald Trump. He felt that Bragg had passed on Trump and was going too light on Trump and kind of letting everything go. And then he puts out a book that basically shamed Alvin Bragg and basically said that Bragg possessed sufficient evidence to convict Trump last year and erred in not seeking charges against the former president. And like Andy Griffith, surprise, 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 soon afterwards, Alvin Bragg then suddenly says, well, maybe I am going to convene a grand jury and look after Trump because maybe he was embarrassed by one of his former colleagues. You know, it's amazing to me just the timing of this. And I can understand why Jim Jordan would want to subpoena this guy, Mark Pomerantz. And again, I contend he should go after Bragg himself. But listen to the answer that Alvin Bragg had just a little bit ago to Jim Jordan. And this is not even over him. This is over the former prosecutor who worked in his office that was involved in the former President Trump investigation. He said, quote, the House GOP continues to attempt to undermine an active investigation, an ongoing New York criminal case with an unprecedented campaign of harassment and intimidation. And he says, Repeated efforts to weaken state and local law enforcement actions are an abuse of power and will not deter us from our duty to uphold the law. What a bunch of hogwash. Like Congress questioning him and his colleagues about a legitimate investigation that even liberal attorneys say is razor thin. Guess what? Somehow that is harassment and intimidation. Are you kidding me? Shame on you, Alvin Bragg. What are your thoughts about this, that Alvin Bragg doesn't think he has to answer to Congress? And all I think about, think about the Steve Bannon case. Remember when Steve Bannon wouldn't testify before Congress? Well, guess what? They arrested him for failing to appear before Congress. Peter Navarro, they went after him. I mean, that is crazy. So this guy thinks he's above the law, and sadly, 
because there is a Democratic, clearly, Merrick Garland, who I don't think is completely independent from Biden in any way, shape or form. He's already showed his hands because, remember, he didn't go after when the conservative justices were being threatened and harassed. Oh, there was no problem there, no comments. And then the minute any of the liberal justices had problems, well, then suddenly he stepped in. So I don't think Merrick Garland is going to enforce any subpoena for Bragg or for any of these other guys. If it gets to the point where they say, hey, listen, we need to have this enforced. They're not replying. They're saying they're above the law. They're saying they don't need to answer. So sadly, this may be a case in futility. But I hope that Alvin Bragg has the cojones to actually go before Congress, because not only do the American public deserve the right answers on all this, so does President Trump. He deserves to know. He deserves to know how did this investigation come about? Was it completely ethical? Was there maybe pressure from this former prosecutor who left and who shamed Alvin Bragg? Did it play a role? Why did Alvin Bragg decide not to pursue charges at that time? And then suddenly, lo and behold, a year later, uh, some epiphany happens and he is now after Donald Trump full throttle. And what are the charges against Donald Trump? He doesn't even know. His defense team, we had we talked to Joe Tacopina earlier this week and Joe Tacopina was saying, we don't even know what this like inflated felony crime is. You're going after the president of the United States and you don't even want to clarify what your crime is. You have got to be kidding me. 1-800-848-9222 is the number to call. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to your calls. Let's go to Mike in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Line one. Go ahead, Mike. How you doing? How you doing, Rita? Uh, Happy uh, Easter and holidays to you and everybody out there. Thank Um, you. You too. Thanks, Rita. Uh, you know what? Alvin Bragg, you know, the, the, the uh, Cuyones, or lack of Cuyones, uh, to do what he did, and, uh, you know, I think he should be, forget DA, I think he should be disbarred for what he's done, laser sharp, focused on Donald Trump and everything else he's involved in, and, you know, go before Congress. And the Department of Justice, as you know, Rita, you mentioned many times, didn't have enough to even entertain Donald Trump. But he's he's got laser focus, like you said, you know, Alvin Bragg. Good for you, Alvin Bragg. And you know what? I was watching, um, you know, the the, the, uh, 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 the news the other day. He does his uh, press conference. There was no press conference. He made a statement, and he doesn't take one question. See, that's similar to the, the ultimate Democratic donkey, Joe Biden, and all his uh, comrades. You know, uh, unbelievable. It's really, you know, uh, it's, it's turning into almost like a, uh, a bizarre Jerry Springer show between the, uh, especially the donkeys and the elephants. And by the way, Mike, don't forget, uh, Stormy Daniels is out there and she's like doing the interview rounds. And I'm waiting for CNN or MSNBC to hire her for like uh, their legal expert or something. I mean, it it is like bizarro world, all these layers. And then you got Michael Cohen, and then you got a prosecutor who says, ah, I don't need to say what the crime is, and then doesn't want anybody even in his office or even former colleagues to testify. Uh, you're right. It's like the double standards are blaring. Mike, thank you very, very much. Let's go to Joe online, too. Joe, your thoughts about this? Yeah, let me put it this way, Rita, my love. Uh, Alvin Bragg is drunk with power. He thinks he's above the law. He's definitely over 300 pounds beyond that. But the bottom line is this. 
What he's doing is a disguise. It's uh, during Holy Week, Passover, leading in the Resurrection Sunday. Easter Resurrection Sunday. The next one, the next court appearance is December 4th, Hanukkah and Christmas. The, this guy is blasphemous. This guy is sacrilegious. And let me tell you something. I'm, I'm putting a statement out to Donald Trump. Donald, we American veterans love you. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. It was Italian-Americans, Catholics that put you over the top in 2020, 2016, as we put Reagan over the top in 1980, 1984, and JFK in 1960. Take the Santas as your running mate. Balance the ticket. Alvin Bragg should be prosecuted for prosecutorial misconduct and malfeasance. He's tearing the city, the state, and the federal, uh, the country apart. The, the trial has to go be in Staten Island. Everybody in Manhattan seems to hate Trump. There's no excuse to hate Trump. You don't have to love him, Rita, but you don't have to loathe him. I help out at food banks, living the words of Christ every day. And Matthew, for when I was hungry, you gave me to eat. I bring the food to American veterans' shut-ins, even though I ambulate with a wheelchair when my American Marine mongrel pulls me in the wheelchair. And by the way, by the way, Joe, first off, we love you, and I thank you also for your obviously amazing service. And you know how much I love the U.S. military and appreciate our veterans so dearly. And your point about um, Trump just now, that you don't have to love him, you just have to appreciate fairness in justice. And guess what? If you have a former president of the United States for the very first time being indicted in American history, you at least deserve to tell him what the charges are, his legal team. And I also think you deserve to tell the American public. Um, and you also, even if you don't like Trump, you still should like the justice system and America enough to say that you want to have balance, that everybody should be treated equally and fairly. So there are so many reasons, just like you said, and I agree with you, sadly, Joe, I don't think he can get a fair trial in Manhattan. And that breaks my heart. But I think that that is the reality. I think they see Trump and go guilty. Wait, wait, wait. We haven't even told you what the crime is. Oh, don't worry about it. He's guilty. And I think Staten Island or somewhere else upstate in New York, there are so many other places. I just think it's going to be hard for him to get a fair trial anyway. Dershowitz said he believes if it happens in Manhattan, he will be found guilty, convicted, and then he will file an appeal and win on appeal when it goes to like a federal court. But how sad. That could be a year or two down the road. And what a mess that will be with the campaign season. But Trump says... He's going full steam ahead. You just saw him the other night at Mar-a-Lago, full steam ahead. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. And I thought I have heard it all, but now we got some breaking news tonight. Breaking news. All right. So later on in the hour, we were going to talk about Kamala Harris going to visit Tennessee, which she did after those two local lawmakers there were expelled by Republican lawmakers, essentially at the state house, the state legislature there, because they were causing a ruckus. They were disrupting proceedings. They had bullhorns and were shouting and were sort of inciting the crowd. 
And so they were temporarily expelled. Well, now we just got word a minute ago that President Biden, first of all, has called the actions of these two local legislators to African-Americans that it was shocking that they were expelled. They were protesting. uh, They wanted more gun control. They wanted gun reform, uh, but were very loud and disruptive. And the crowd was getting out of hand at the state legislature. There was a lot of screaming and pushing. And the legislature felt that they were just inciting the crowd and getting unruly and being unofficial, if you will. Now Biden has decided to invite them to the White House. The word just coming, Kamala Harris going down there. And this is Kamala Harris, who doesn't go down to uh, East Palestine. When all those people went through all the problems with the train derailment, remember the toxic water and all that? Neither Biden nor Kamala Harris went there. But you have two local lawmakers, two African-Americans who were expelled from the state legislature in Tennessee. They said it was because of race. The others in the legislature, it's a Republican-led legislature, said, no, they were screaming and shouting. You could see them on videotape screaming and shouting and said it was because they were disruptive. And now suddenly President Biden, who has no time to go to the border, no time to East Palestine, well, uh, Kamala Harris went there on a sudden trip today, didn't meet with, by the way, the victims of the shooting at the terrible shooting at that school, but she found time to meet with these two legislators. I mean, this is unbelievable. And now President Biden has officially invited them to the White House. I would love for him to have invited the people from East Palestine. I would love for him to invite border control oper- you know, agents there. But no. They are inviting these two local legislators. Could it be they're maybe playing the race card? We're going to get to that later on in the show. Uh, An unbelievable development on Friday night here on the Rita Cosby Show. We'll be taking your calls on that. 1-800-848-9222. Meantime, let's go back to President Trump and the latest with Alvin Bragg. He says some of the criticism over him is because of his race. Uh, President Trump has said that the allegations against him are over the top and are persecution and not prosecution. Uh, Let's go to Tony, line six. Tony, your thoughts about this. Hey, Rita. Hey, Tony, what Um, do you think? So somewhere out there, there is a young law student or district attorney that wants to get their name out and become famous. And Alvin Bragg is is inspiring these people. Because this student or this district attorney that's unknown, he's going to go after Joe Biden. He's going to go after Nancy Pelosi. He's going to go after um, Hunter Biden to make a name for themselves. Well, and, and Tony, Tony, by the way, and I have a problem with that in any case. Because it should well, be the facts. If 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 there's something to warn it, and maybe there is something with the Biden family with all the Hunter Biden stuff. But, you know, until we know that that's a fact, I don't believe in the tit for tat. Do you? No, but, but you know, some ambition, ambition is a dirty uh, back pocket strategy. And, and because Alvin Bragg and the Democrats, they went to this level, it's going to come back and bite them in their butts. By the way, I agree with that 100 percent, Tony. And if I were Hunter Biden right now, given the fact that also we know uh, that the GOP has gotten and is subpoenaing a whole bunch of bank records tied to Hunter Biden, I'd be very worried because it seems a little more serious than the $130,000 
uh, NDA with Stormy. We're going to talk more after the break. It's the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, where we honor our great law enforcement and their families, a really beautiful story and powerful story coming from Frankfurt, Indiana, where officers there rescued six people, including a baby from a burning home. The call came in earlier this week, just after two in the morning. And the police said that a caller told dispatchers that their house was massively filled with heavy smoke. The caller said they were on the second floor, they couldn't get out, and that their baby was having a hard time breathing. What a scary situation. Now, get this. Three officers arrived there on the scene within one minute of that urgent 911 call. That is amazing. Once on scene, they saw the flames were shooting out of the front of the house, plus very heavy, thick smoke made it impossible for the family to come down from the second floor. So one of the officers quickly found a ladder, put it in front of the second-story window. He then climbed up the ladder, spoke through the window, directing the family to pass the baby to him through the window. After safely removing the baby, he guided the other occupants out of the window and down the ladder to safety. Now, the sister of the homeowner put this on social media this week. My sister's apartment caught on fire last night. Thank you, God, that everyone was saved. Thank you so much to the heroic Frankfurt Police Station for being there. All three officers have been nominated for the Medal of Valor. And the chief of the police in that area who nominated the officer for the award uh, said of the three officers, they all showed an extraordinary act of bravery by removing a total of six occupants out to safety under extreme stress and truly life-threatening conditions. Bravo to these great officers and all of our incredible men and women in blue. Well, we are talking, of course, about President Trump. And now Alvin Bragg says he's above the law. Don't worry about the charges that he's got against President Trump. He'll reveal them at some point. And this is the guy who inflated the fabrication of what he claims is sort of falsification of business records, inflated it, did sort of legal gymnastics, I say, and basically stretched it to become a felony by tying it with another crime. Most people believe it's some sort of campaign finance crime, but he hasn't yet to reveal it. And yet he thinks it's so fine that he doesn't have to answer to Congress in any shape or form. No big deal. No problem. He's Alvin Bragg and he can do whatever he wants. And by the way, if you think the world isn't watching what's going on with President Trump, take a listen to this. This is one of these wild ones on a Friday night, but I got to share it with you. Russia's merchant of death. The guy is Victor Boot. This is the guy who's the most notorious arms dealer in the world. And he is the guy who was traded for WNBA star Brittany Griner. And he actually came out tonight and said that he fears for President Trump's life. This guy, again, is the most notorious arms dealer in the world. He's warning Donald Trump that his, quote, life could be in danger. And when I saw that, I thought, does it have to do with Russia, Ukraine, or what is it about? And it turns out, no, he actually says it is because of what's going on with the legal process in America. 
He says most likely he will simply be eliminated there. The legal process, which has now begun in New York, won't just end in Donald Trump being convicted and barred from the 2024 election. I think it's in his best interest and the interest of all humanity, uh, basically, that he comes to Russia. He's thinking Russia is a better place for him, maybe more law and order for Donald Trump than he could get in the United States. You cannot make this up. Isn't that amazing? And to add to that, the president of El Salvador said, U.S., you better not lecture me on human rights after the way that you have handled President Trump. You better not criticize, you know, any shape or form our human rights record, our approach to criminals and so forth. You better not, because look at the way you're handling the former president of the United States. What a mess, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Frank on line three in Maine. Uh, Frank, your thoughts about all of this. This is amazing. Rita, absolutely. It's amazing. And happy Easter. You know, Rita, and ha- happy, happy uh, Passover. Thank and you. Ramadan. You know, Thank Rita, you. You too. Uh, I've, I've been... Uh, <laughs> Alvin Bragg is, is a shill, man. He's he is a guy who is being pulled like a puppet, and he's got to wait for his puppet masters. And I don't exactly know who those people are to say what he wants. I think it's Soros, but I, I, it may be him. But this man, this man is ducking. He's hiding. He's running. He doesn't know where to go. He's saying things out of his head. He's trying to get Trump indicted. And, you know, he's trying to get Trump actually convicted. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I can't wait for the time when Jim Jordan gets him on that stage, gets him in front of Congress, gets him to say why he did all this. And I want the truth. I don't want lies. I want the truth. And I think everybody else wants the truth, because if we don't get the truth, we know what this man's all about. Rita, have a great night. Thank you very much, Frank. And by the way. Um, everybody, we just put up a podcast, uh, and you brought up Soros, uh, because he certainly has played a role with so many of these soft on crime DAs across the country and a group, uh, very close to Soros spent a lot of money on Alvin Bragg, about a million bucks to help get him elected and these other soft on crime DAs. And, uh, I just put up a new podcast just a little bit ago. We put it up on WABC. Uh, it is an amazing podcast. I just had a discussion with Brett Tolman. He is the former U.S. attorney. He's also an executive director with a group called Right on Crime. And I asked him his thoughts about the American justice system based on the Trump case. What does he think? Is there have merit? Uh, do people like Victor Boot and the president of El Salvador have a reason to be concerned about American justice after Trump? And he said some things that you were echoing right there, Frank. Take a listen. Here's a little clip. You got to take a listen. What does it say to you about justice in America? I've been, you know, trying to let folks know that over the past couple decades, we have been funneling power to prosecutors without shoring up our ability to hold them accountable or demand transparency. So right now in the government, the most important power that we give to any agent in the government is the power to take away someone's liberty. It should come with a lot more transparency and a lot more accountability. But what we've done is we have given so much power to prosecutors over the last couple of decades that they are fearless and they can make decisions like we're seeing now. 
and immunity, qualified immunity is going to protect them, and they have no no real concern about doing something like this. And it's going to be a problem and a problem for many years. Yeah. How dangerous of a precedent does this set for future cases, even unrelated, of course, to President Trump? Oh, I mean, Rita, that that question is right now the most important question to be asked in this country, because we will start to see how powerful the justice system is And there are already individuals on both sides of the aisle that are realizing, hey, I can go after someone like Donald Trump. I can go after someone that is a political enemy or unfriendly to the cause that I believe in. And where will it stop? Where will it stop? Will they care about the First Amendment? No. Will they care about any of the protections in the Fourth, Fifth, or Sixth Amendments that due process affords us? They won't care because right now the goal – The aim, if you follow Alvin Bragg, his only objective was to get the charges. He knew that that was going to be his moment, and the damage would be done, and he would accomplish what he he promised he would on the campaign trail. And he doesn't care at this point what the grand jury or what the jury will do or the judge will do with the case. How sad is that? Again, from Brett Tolman, former U.S. attorney, you can listen to the whole podcast uh, wherever you download your favorite podcast. It's the latest edition of Protecting America. I had an in-depth conversation uh, with the great former U.S. attorney, Brett Tolman, and you heard what he said. The system has basically become so politicized that Bragg doesn't care where it goes, so he can just kind of go down in history as the guy who indicted President Trump and then walk around and puff his chest and say no to Congress when they want to subpoena him and others, no big deal. Uh, he is above the law, I guess. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Robert, line four. Uh, Robert, what are your thoughts about all this? Hi, Rhea. Happy thanks. Happy Easter. First yeah, you got you to gotta get the holiday right, Robert. Are you like, uh, are you like uh, having a little uh, early uh, eggnog for Christmas, too? No, no, it's just being bombarded with all this stuff. I mean, it's too much. Come on. It is. It's a lot. Now, what do you think of Bragg? By the way, don't you think Bragg needs to answer to Congress? Yes, he has to comply with process. Yeah. He's subpoenaed. He has to reply. Yeah. He has to go there if called. Absolutely. If he doesn't, he can be charged with contempt of Congress, a criminal charge, be arrested and put in jail until he will comply. That's only, though, Robert, by the way, if Merrick Garland decides to do that and enforce it. And I don't see this very liberal attorney general doing anything uh, that would help Trump or the GOP. And that is a sad reality, going back to what Brett Tolman was just saying about how politicized the process is. And boy, is that a sad, sad testament. Uh, let's go to Dave. Line two. Dave, your thoughts. Yeah, this is Dave in Lackport. Hi, Rita. Happy Easter. You too, my um, friend. You too. What do you think about where do you think this is headed? Well, I've got a couple observations. First of all, I'm 72. I'm a vet and a great grandfather and an American patriot. Oh, you. Thank you. Some, thank you. Yeah. I'm not some, you know, right wing nutbag, but this is uh, all smoke and mirrors. This is all divert our attention. You know, it's like watch the shiny thing, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. And what they're doing 
is they're, you know, stopping us from doing what we should do and going after the real criminals like uh, the Biden crime family. And they're dividing our country. And we're in the middle of the next civil war. And if we don't go out and vote uh, the next election and the election after that, then it's our own fault. We get what we deserve. Well, you bring up a great point that you got to go to the voting booth and speak your mind because uh, somebody like Alvin Bragg, by the way, he telegraphed what he was thinking. He said he was going to go easy on criminals. And he even testified, by the way, uh, that indeed um, his priority number one was going after President Trump. I mean, he even said it on the campaign trail. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, Let's go to Stan, line one. Stan, your thoughts about all this. How come you're not home eating Easter food today? I mean, what are you doing in today? I know. I'm. I'm. I came here to like spend time with you, Stan. I mean, what other? What more beautiful way could I spend a Good Friday than with you? Well, it's a Good Friday, and it'll be a good Saturday and Sunday too. But that's okay. I appreciate that. And thank happy you. Holiday and to you. Thank you, Stan, and All obviously right. to everybody out there. Happy Passover and yes. everybody else too. Beautiful. Uh, okay. All right, let's get on with the real food. Yeah, go let's ahead. Get on with the real food. Yeah, come on. <laughs> bring it on, Stan. Let's see what okay, you got uh, on a Friday night, my all, friend. Uh, if I'm a uh, brag, I will not answer any subpoena, and uh, he doesn't have to go there. They don't have any uh, uh, influence for him to come over there, so he will not show up to Washington at all. And what's his name who's who's I- issuing the subpoena? What's the congressman's name? I forget his, his name. His, his name is uh, Congressman Jim Jordan, and by yeah, the way, uh, they well, do have him for influence, but go ahead. Okay. Uh, he was also asked to uh, uh, come to the January 6th, and he said he would not come for that. So tit for tat. That's okay. No problem. I don't think he's going to come anywhere. And you know, again, I don't think he's and, going to And guess day. what? They talked about enforcing subpoenas against him at the yeah. time, just so you know. So it wasn't like yeah. he got a free pass. And what, yeah. about, what about there's a number of other people that they threw the book at who didn't, who were not sitting members of Congress? Yeah, and 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 he is using federal dollars, Stan. So well, hey, actually, anytime, guess what? Wait a minute. Wait a time. Any time you do it, it's federal dollars. So that's a poor excuse. But the, here's the, the main thing. It actually so, isn't because Congress holds the purse strings. But go ahead, Stan. I wanted to talk about uh, that uh, je- that uh, uh, Russian boot gentleman. You know, if you look at him just for a quick second, you've seen that guy. If he cuts his mustache both ends, he looks like Hitler a little bit. He's a little weirdo, that guy. You mean the? But, uh, you're talking about the Victor, Victor Boot? Yeah, he does. He yeah. looks like he kind of like, like a. Weird guy. He looks like a like in a, like a Bond movie or something. But go ahead, yes. I think absolutely. I think uh, he's worried about Trump. Invite him to Russia and let him come live with him. I mean, I think he should go to Russia. <laughs> oh, I mean, he's so concerned about him. Invite him to his house oh, for my. the holidays. You know, <gasps> I mean, why not? It's Boy, I mean, you know, that would be not? interesting conversation at the uh, holiday table, right, Stan? Stan, but you, you got to admit, there is an irony about it that a, an arms dealer is saying uh, that the U- U.S. justice system basically isn't what it used to be. <laughs> I mean, for an arms dealer uh, to be the one uh, basically making this assessment and also presidents of other countries basically saying it, who have a lot more credibility than Victor Boot, um, it, it doesn't look good. So you think that what Donald Trump should get a one way ticket to Russia? Is that what you're saying? Well, no, I mean, who, what was that other guy that, uh, that, that you know, uh, from the CIA, he did the papers and he's living there now. What was his name? You know, the guy who... Uh, 
who's living there, but uh, he, he took papers from the CIA. Yes, or, yes, yes. I'm trying to remember the name. I, know exactly, I can't remember his name either. I know who you mean. I know who you mean, Stan. Well, I think, you know, by the way, despite all the bad things uh, that have been going on of late for President Trump, I think he'd prefer to be actually here than in the Kremlin. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, suddenly, I guess Alvin Bragg doesn't look so bad if you compare it to Vladimir Putin, right? <laughs> Anyway, Stan, thank you. We love you. We appreciate it. We're going to continue your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. And coming up in the next hour, more on this stunning news that Biden, who didn't have time, he just did like a real quick stop at the border, remember? Hasn't invited the border agents to the White House, right? Uh, Hasn't invited anybody of those poor folks in Indiana, uh, Ohio, forgive me, East Palestine, Ohio, remember, with the train wreck. Didn't even go visit them with the derailment. Um, And yet he is now inviting the two expelled lawmakers from Tennessee that have been causing the ruckus there at the Tennessee legislature. He's inviting them to the White House. But. Doesn't it sound a little weird? And Kamala Harris went there in an emergency meeting today. Wouldn't an emergency be going to the border? That is an outright disaster. And in the next hour, we're going to talk more about this incredible, like, uh, disproportionate attention that she plays to these now two African-American Tennessee lawmakers who were expelled for creating chaos, as the Republicans were saying in the Tennessee legislature, And doesn't want to go to the border as things are intensifying at the border and the cost for New York and cities around the country are skyrocketing. So we're going to talk about the problems in the border big time. And also, by the way, John Kirby, I couldn't believe he said this at the White House. Everybody's still reeling from this, saying he didn't see any chaos during the withdrawal from Afghanistan of U.S. troops. What about those thousands of Afghans that were trying to cling to the plane as it was taking off? What about the servicemen who died? It was so chaotic. And he wants us to not believe what we see with our own eyes. That is astounding. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Meantime, Alvin Bragg saying he doesn't have to answer any sort of subpoenas or any request to go to Congress nor does anybody else currently or formally from his office, because I guess Alvin Bragg is above the law. But boy, President Trump is below the law. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Alice on Line 7 in Ohio. Alice, your thoughts about this? Hi. Uh, two things. Happy Easter and happy Passover to our Jewish friends. Absolutely. Thank um, you, Alice. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, first of all, he's bringing up the race card, 
and everyone is bringing up the race card. That's very serious, and it's become it's diluting the seriousness of the charge. Another, I, I agree. I you're talking about Alvin Bragg, absolutely. Right, right, uh, and that also applies to the visit to the White House. I'm not uh, when you're called into court to face charges. It seems to me that all charges should be spelled out. How can he get away with saying, well, I'll tell you later? And aren't there rules in a courtroom that state if you're going to say something, if you're going to bring them charges, you have to be specific? You can't say, well, I'll wait a little later or something. And, like and also, by, by the way, even separate than rules, there's sort of a uh, modicum of procedure. Like every attorney has said, uh, even if you don't have to show it until like a certain point, and you definitely have to show it at a certain point. If you don't show it initially now, you show it soon after. But it would be unheard of. They said in even a normal case, you still usually lay it out just as a courtesy to the defendant because it's protocol. It's legal protocol. He is breaking all the rules because he just doesn't seem to care. And nobody's holding him accountable. Great questions, Alice. Thank you very much. Let's go to Marco real quick. Line one. Marco, your thoughts. How you doing, Rita? It's a pleasure to talk to you. I want to make a statement. Alvin Bragg, you're a fat slob and you make me sick along with the rest of New Yorkers. Of all the senseless crimes and murders that I've seen, I work as a paramedic. I can't really talk too much about that. But of all the senseless murders that I've seen downgraded, looked away from, families weeping outside of court, asking why this happens. And this is what you want to go and put you want to go and go after Trump for all these federal crimes. It's- You're right. You're right. And he won't even tell us what the federal crimes are. Marco, I hear your passion and I feel it too. The disproportionment is stunning. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Just saying, President Biden is inviting the expelled lawmakers from the Tennessee legislature, you cannot make this up, to the White House. Uh, I would love to see him invite law enforcement to the White House. I'd love to see him invite veterans. I brought up the guys from East Palestine, the men and women who are in that community who were so traumatized by that train derailment. He's never gone there. I'd love to see a whole bunch of Border Patrol officials be honored at the White House. But no, now that two African-American lawmakers were expelled after the Republicans there in the Tennessee legislature said that they were disrupting and basically inciting the crowd. And what they said was that it was becoming unruly. They were on bullhorns on the floor of the Tennessee legislature. And they were screaming and shouting and riling up the crowd. And meanwhile, these are legislators themselves. These are representatives. There's rules of decorum. And people were, of course, protesting the gun issue because of that horrible shooting that took place in Nashville. And understand passions are running high and people are emotional. And I am all for peaceful protests. But... You can understand why some of the people down there said, well, it looks like these two guys who apparently have riled up people before on other issues were trying to rile up people again and shouting with bullhorns. And there's a mode of decorum. There are certain rules that if you're a legislator in a local state house, certain things you can and cannot do. They said they violated the rules. 
And so they got rid of them. And now Kamala Harris in the White House is saying it is about racism, that that's why they were expelled. Again, when they say that police overreach, it's about racism. Whenever there's something else, it's about racism. And so Kamala Harris made an emergency visit. Wouldn't it be nice if she made an emergency visit to the border? Wouldn't it be nice she made an emergency visit? Think about all the places and all the problems going on in the world. And she doesn't make emergency visits there. But she made an emergency visit tonight and spoke at the legislature. I want you to hear she made it sound like these two guys and another one. There was another woman who didn't get expelled but was with them. She didn't get expelled, by the way, because she wasn't on the bullhorn. Apparently, she was standing next to them when they were screaming and shouting on the floor of the legislature, but she wasn't on the bullhorn. She just kind of stood there quietly and stood there in support of them, but wasn't sort of riling up the crowd and crossing the line, if you will. So she is white. And they said, well, the reason the two got kicked off was because of racism. Uh, So they're calling them now the Tennessee Three. Like these guys are like, you know, the martyrs for life now, right? And this is what she had to say about the Tennessee Three when she went down and met with them tonight. Supposed to lead and show courage to say that a democracy allows for places where the people's voice will be heard and honored and respected. And they understand these three of standing to say the people will not be silenced. To say that a democracy hears the cries, hears the pleas, who hears the demands of its people who say the children should be able to live and be safe and go to school and not be in fear. I wish she had one one hundredth of that passion for the people of East Palestine, Ohio. What about over the border? I have never heard her that passionate about anything that happens to do with basically security of the American border. I mean, and she is the borders are. I mean, that is the irony of it all. And yet when two African-American individuals get expelled, she immediately says it's racism, not that they were unruly. And then does an emergency flight down there. Uh, it, to me, it is it is unbelievable the disproportionate response to this compared to how she is so could care less. Remember how many times has she been asked about the border? Remember at first she was like, <laughs> and would laugh. Remember, it was cackling. And then she was asked about the million of refugees that were flowing into Poland. And she's at the Polish border. And she's like, <laughs> a million refugees. Think about the millions that have crossed our border. Uh, everything there is a laughing joke. And yet, boy, this is serious that there are two African-Americans that were kicked out of a local legislator uh, legislature because they were getting unruly. I mean, this to me is the definition of insanity. And this comes on the same day that the White House has just started launching this major campaign ad. Basically, I when I first heard, oh, they're going after the border or something like that, I thought, oh, wow, this is really good. And then the ad came out, and basically what it says is they are going after the users of fentanyl, the young people who use fentanyl, basically saying that those who use fentanyl should know better. Here's what you got to do. Here's what you do. And then I thought, okay, well, where's the back half? What about the open border where all the fentanyl's flowing through? What about the cartels that are on the side of Mexico, many of them in America, unfortunately, now? 
Uh, what about all the people who've crossed the border that are on the terror watch list? What about all of them? No, there was no reference to that whatsoever. Take a listen to Derek Maltz. He's a former special agent for the DEA in New York. And he said this new ad by the Biden administration just shows the tone deafness that they have to the border and just is shameful. Take a listen. It's disgusting that they're blaming the users because many of these users are significant depression, anxiety. They're turning to pills to help them. And unfortunately, the pills are fake. And they're made in these dirty, filthy labs in Mexico, controlled by the cartels, and it's killing them at historic levels. So it's really, really disappointing to hear the White House blaming these poor people in America that are either addicted to opioids or don't know any better. And they're taking these pills thinking they're going to get some relief. It's disgusting. And also, we talked to Councilman Robert Holden. He's a Democrat, by the way, New York City Councilman, uh, represents Queens. Talked with him earlier today, and he was talking about the massive price tag that the migrants are having on New York City. Uh, just how overwhelming, and this is happening in so many cities across America. New York City is costing at least $5 million a day to take care of the 55,000 illegal migrants that have come to New York City. That's housing, food, free cell phones, you name it, everything else. And he said what's happening is they're cutting back now on city services for legal residents because they don't have the money, and yet now the price tag is going to be well over 4 or $5 billion come next year just for the illegal migrants alone. Guess who's paying for it? You and me. And it's not just happening in New York. It's happening in every city across the country. Listen to this astounding comment again from a Democrat in New York. What's happening now, you're seeing Mayor Adams, and, you know, he's stuck between a rock and a hard place. The governor's asleep at the wheel. We know that. And so is our president. And uh, and Chuck Schumer and Gillibrand are all asleep at the wheel. They're not saying anything about it. Yet Mayor Adams has to deal with this. And... We're going to be losing, you know, certainly uh, services in New York City are going to cut the budget. They're already cutting agencies another 4 percent on top of 3 percent. And before you know it, it could even be 10 percent. So we're getting to a point where who's going to suffer? The taxpayers, obviously, because we're going to foot the bill. But our services will everything, uh, including police, fire and um, sanitation and all the city services will take a hit. All the city services will take a hit. And yet we are spending millions upon millions. And again, I bring up the juxtaposition between that, which definitely deserves attention because it is bursting every city across, at its seams, across this country. I mean, it's not just New York. And again, five million, many people think that that's a lowball estimate. And yet Kamala Harris does a quick little pop over at the border. Uh, Eric Adams, to his credit, did go down there and went to the border, and he has complained about it, uh, but obviously is still keeping the migrants and using, you you know, New York taxpayer dollars to house them and feed them. But think about the effect of an open border. Think about all the people that are on the terror watch list, all the problems that are going on there. Our president just pops in, basically. Remember, he popped in really quick at El Paso and, like, left. It was like, oh, let me have an enchilada and head out. Remember, that's basically what he did. And Kamala Harris basically did the same thing. How sad is that when you think about the attention? And then suddenly two legislators, African-Americans, get booted because they were unruly 
uh, and the Texas and the Tennessee legislature, and she calls an emergency meeting and goes down there on a flight, taxpayer money, goes there and basically says these three lawmakers are leading the charge for democracy around the world, uh, the two and the other woman who didn't get expelled. And now Biden's saying he wants to have them immediately come to the White House. I mean, like it's some urgent matter compared to Russia, Ukraine, compared to what's happening with China. Uh, He hasn't even pushed them on COVID. I mean, the list could go on and on. Later on, we're going to talk about Afghanistan and the dismal withdrawal of Afghanistan that they just want to like, you know, pop out, you know, the report uh, right before a holiday weekend. What a surprise. No accountability. But boy, let's drop everything because two Texas, two Tennessee legislators got expelled for being unruly that have apparently been unruly before. That's an emergency. I mean, this is, we are like alternate universe. And it kind of goes back to Alvin Bragg. Alvin Bragg has never met a felon that he didn't want to reduce to a misdemeanor. You know, think about felonies have been reduced in New York to misdemeanors 52%. That's the number. That is an astounding number. So we are seeing recidivists over and over again, repeat offenders, violent criminals, that Alvin Bragg has let loose on the streets of New York, and we see it with soft-on-crime DAs across this country. Earlier today, we were talking to the Virginia Attorney General. He was saying that typically a lot of these criminals, these sort of folks who have been charged with murder, they were arrested an average of 11 times prior to that. And it's usually these Soros-backed DAs that are overseeing their cases. There's a pattern here. We're seeing it around the country. And yet Alvin Bragg is spending all of his resources on President Trump. I mean, and again, Kamala Harris now dropping everything to go to talk to two legislators in Tennessee, that that's a real emergency. Nothing compared to the war uh, on drugs, nothing compared to the fentanyl that's going across our border, nothing to finding out the cure of COVID. You know, what were the origins? They don't seem to care. Border, they don't seem to care. Uh, They're kind of letting the Russia-Ukraine thing. Remember, Biden said minor incursion, no big deal. I mean, this is like an unbelievable time. And yet this is where they're spending their time and their effort. And this is basically one of the first big invitations to the White House. These two guys, because they represent, these are like the heroes to them as opposed to border agents and law enforcement. Boy, have we lost a sense of reality. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tony. Line three. Tony, your thoughts about this? Yeah, this is really, it's something every day, Rita. But, you know, I have I have a way of sort of taking a deep breath and looking at everything. And instead of playing Monopoly, I play Woke-opoly. So in the Woke game, you know, everything By the, by the happens- way, I like that name, Tony, Woke-opoly. That could be really popular. <laughs> you and I should go into I business have- together. We'd make big bucks. It really explains everything to me. Like, of course, I I read and I listen to different people. But so, so for instance, today, like in the game of Wogopoly, if you were two people in Congress making a lot of noise, say it was me and you, we were Congresswomen, probably somebody would say, you girls are in trouble. (laughs) But in Wogopoly, you get a free pass because... It's not so much the color. I just want to say it's the agenda. The agenda is we like guns. We don't, oh no, we don't want guns. So free pass. Alvin Bragg, free pass. We don't like you. So Wokopoli, it's like 
you can go to jail at any time. You can get a free pass at any time. And that's really the way it's been. And I've never felt that Kamala Harris visited anyone that wasn't uh, someone that she she felt guilty about because she put away a lot of people. So I think in her vice presidency, she has a lot of guilt complexes, so she tries to be nice, and it's just so over-exaggerated. Yeah, I, or you know? I just think she's like a typical politician who just kind of floats with the wind. You know, like, um, you're right, when she was there in California and was the attorney general, was in a prosecutor, she was definitely, she went after a lot of people on low-level marijuana charges. Um, and now, because it's politically expedient, somehow uh, things are different. And she's totally playing sort of the, the political wokeopoly. And like you just said, uh, she is playing it big time and taking it all the way to the bank. Uh, but that's a good one. Tony, we got to go into business. I really think we got we got a we got a, a, a shoe in now for a major, major business wokeopoly, um, because that would be a very popular game, especially if you bring it to the Tennessee uh, legislature. I think they'll really like playing. They're playing it tonight. So they may as well play it and, and pay for it. Tony, thank you very much. That was great. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. Wokeopoly, 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And coming up after the break, we have our wonderful Support Our Heroes segment, which I love doing every night here on the show. And also, by the way, We are going to talk about the fact that the White House today is getting hammered. And you know it's bad when CBS and NBC and even CNN and those guys are hammering the White House because some of the comments from Kirby yesterday, John Kirby, who is one of the spokespeople there, he's with the National Security Council, when he said he was proud of the way that the Biden administration withdrew from Afghanistan and What do you mean chaos? There was no chaos in the withdrawal. What is this guy talking about? Remember all of the Afghans clinging to the plane, the C-130, as it was taking off, uh, knowing that they were going to be left behind by this administration? So when we come back, we're going to talk about your reaction to the White House that put out its own sort of, quote, after action report, isn't holding anybody accountable and thinks it did a really good job and blames the withdrawal That was under the Biden administration on President Trump. I'm waiting for them to blame the Hindenburg on President Trump, World War II on President Trump. If it snows one day, that's President Trump's fault. Everything is President Trump's fault with this administration. But the fact that John Kirby said with a straight face that there was no chaos, I just don't see the chaos. What a a liar. Because he even said it himself at the time that things were a little chaotic. And now suddenly, clearly, he's become a politician, and they don't want him to say that there was any problem with the withdrawal, as if those pictures and you see those people chasing after the plane, uh, that doesn't say at all. And what about also the 13 service members who were killed uh, when that suicide bomber who was let out uh, when they let go of Bagram? So, boy, are there a lot of things to talk about, and we're going to take your calls on that and the reaction that the Biden White House Drops it right before a holiday weekend, of course. And then Biden's gone. What a surprise. And they basically are like, yeah, what do you mean? Everything was great with the withdrawal. As if we don't have the pictures to show otherwise and the memories that I think will last a lifetime. And clearly, 
I think, have deteriorated America's standing in the world because the rest of the world said, boy, America, they are leaving not only Afghans behind, they're leaving even Americans behind in Afghanistan. And we left our allies and also Americans, and there are still many that are there in Taliban custody. You can imagine that is not a pretty time there in Taliban-controlled Afghanistan and billions of dollars of U.S. equipment. So think about what a dreadful withdrawal that is. We're going to talk about that after the break. Meantime, speaking of dreadful, we're talking about Alvin Bragg and the priorities of this administration and the fact that Bragg is now full throttle going after Trump and says he doesn't have to answer to Congress in any shape or form, nor does anybody who ever had to work for him. It is ridiculous. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to David in L.A., line six. David, your thoughts. Well, you know, first of all, Bragg, what a coward for pulling the race card. Even Trump haters say they're disappointed how thin the indictment is. He shouldn't have done it at all. And for him to claim racism is like saying that if it was a white man who uh, put the indictment, that it wouldn't be criticized. So my highest disrespect to coward Adam Bragg. And regarding the two Tennessee lawmakers, just so everybody knows, Kamala Harris runs down there and says, the voices of democracy should not be silenced. Does she now? We know she's not smart. But does she know that they were screaming through electronic bullhorns? Now, you're not allowed to do that. If it was a member of the public, they would have been removed. So let's not make it. And then, and then the two black uh, lawmakers say it's a political lynching, using the word lynching, saying in the state that has the KKK. So now you're invoking the KKK. Their voices would have been silenced had they have been compliant with the code of conduct. And if you notice, the white lady wasn't expelled because she wasn't using a bullhorn. So she didn't go too far. So, you know, Rita, I'd like to say, as controversial as this sounds, I'm tired of black elected people going too far, pushing the boundaries too far, doing wrong things. And, and David, hang on, hang on a second, Dave, because, again, I don't think it has to do with black, white. Obviously, I do believe they are putting race into this. I think it's it's sort of the policies of these individuals. And I think if the person agrees with their policies and they're African-American, well, then, yeah, she'll be happy to go down there. Or if as long as it fits their ideology, they'll go with it. And I think, you know, to me, people are colorless. It's the policies that I question. And I do question Bragg's policies big time because, boy, has he been soft on crime. But not if your last name's Trump. It's the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a beautiful story coming from Frazier, Michigan, where a local World War II hero, his name is Mike Alio, was honored recently alongside other World War II veterans And get this, he was by the Vietnam Veterans of America. Now, the honor came shortly after Michael Leo's 100th birthday. And also in recognition, the Vietnam Veterans of America also included a donation for children's research to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, just to give a little background, Leo served in Europe from 1943 to 1946, taking part in the Normandy landings and seeing combat in France. 
He said, I was in the European theater and I was with General George Patton's Third Army. I was in the 257th Field Artillery Battalion supporting the tank units and served in southern France and the Battle of the Bulge and all over. And he said of the fact that he was honored and especially the donation to the Children's Hospital in his name, he said, I feel so honored and so humbled. I am proud to have been part of donating this money to the little kids at St. Jude. I hope it does a lot of good for them. What a beautiful, beautiful man and part of the greatest generation and how beautiful that he was humbled that proceeds were given in his name to St. Jude. Thank you, Mr. Aleo, for turning 100 years young and for your incredible great service to our country. By the way, earlier tonight, I was with some other folks who I met in Normandy, France. Uh, I was over there for the 75th anniversary of D-Day, and it was one of the most moving experiences of my entire life. I hope all of you, if you ever get a chance, go over to Normandy, France. When you see the beach and you see Omaha and Utah Beach and some of these other beaches, you wonder how any American made it off that beach alive. It is just unbelievable, the courage and the guts of our American troops and the allies who are there helping us, too, as well, to defend freedom and defend the world. And uh, bravo to all of these great, great heroes of the greatest generation and the greatest fighting force in the world, America. We love you and we appreciate you all here on The Rita Cosby Show. Well, we are talking about Alvin Bragg who uh, I don't think there's much to brag about. He isn't doing much on crime. Uh, It seems like New York City is falling apart. But boy, he is spending millions upon millions of dollars just going after Donald Trump. And they're estimating that Donald Trump's defense, on the other hand, is going to cost anywhere from like 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars. It could potentially with all these different lawsuits all over the place. And now with this new case, of course, a criminal charge by Alvin Bragg. So where do you see this going? And boy, does this soft on crime DA have his priorities out of whack. Crime is skyrocketing in New York. Earlier today, I was talking to one of the chief of detectives there at the NYPD. He was talking about just how bad crime is and recidivism and what they're dealing with these repeat offenders over and over again. And so they're dealing with that. They're trying to lock the bad guys up. Bragg can't wait to get them back out on the streets quick enough, it seems. He's giving them a slap on the wrist. And then now you have Trump that he's elevating something that would never even be a misdemeanor that nobody would normally ever get charged for, coupling it with the finance, campaign finance. And let's throw a felony. And why don't we, like, you know, throw him in prison for the rest of his life just because his last name is Trump? Boy, this sounds like really equal justice in America. And what a sad testament that is. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ, line three. BJ, your thoughts about all of this. Thank you for uh, speaking with me, Rita. Happy Easter to you and your audience. Thank you. You too, Um, BJ. You know, it's a very solemn day. As I get older, this day means more to me in my life. Um. You know, I see this very much, uh, these woke uh, lawmakers and prosecutors, Krasner, Gascon, Bragg, they're very much like the Sanhedrin that refused to do their job and stand up for Jesus and and begged Barabbas uh, or begged Pontius Pilate to give uh, to 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 solve what they had no political will to solve, no integrity to solve. 
And uh, that's where I kind of see this going with all these uh, phony lawmakers that stand up uh, on uh, these bogus ideals. They really wanted to protect their communities rather than take the guns away from law-abiding citizens uh, who got them legally and need them to protect themselves from criminal elements. They would increase policing and also uh, take the felons off the streets and protect the weak and the poor who are most victimized by all of this rampant criminality, uh, this fake police reform and this fake uh, 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 incarcerate, you know, move to decarcerate all of these felons and to dismantle the police is putting the weakest of the weak at the most risk. And uh, so uh, this whole dog and pony showdown in, in Tennessee and this uh, vice president that uh, suddenly got awake to a uh, saw a camera that she wanted to be in front of, this doesn't uh, phase me in the bit. Uh, uh, in the least. This is nothing but crocodile tears. Well, and And that's the thing. You know, the thing is, BJ, you just talked about, you know, Kamala Harris going down there. It is amazing to hear the passion in her voice. And it was like she's taking an emergency trip is basically the word we first heard today. We're like, oh, where are where is she finally going to the border? What's she doing? Right. And it was like, no, she's going to meet with these two Tennessee lawmakers because she believes there was some racial issue as to why she got kicked. They got kicked out of a local legislator. Uh, and although, if you look at the facts, they were on a bullhorn screaming on the floor of the legislature there. And you can understand why people were upset about it. And I, I just I wish she had the same passion about other issues. And again, where was she pounding the desk after even like we're going to talk about in a second here, the Afghan withdrawal? Where was she on that? Nowhere. Where was Biden saying we're going to like make sure every single person gets out? He claimed that, but then he didn't do anything. And then he just kind of moved on. But yet she takes an emergency flight down to Tennessee. I mean, it's outrageous, BJ. It is talk about priorities so out of whack. I mean, and and the things that are really important to American security, you would think the border, you would think some of these other issues. I even brought up East Palestine because I couldn't believe that neither she nor the president have even cared to go to East Palestine yet. That, you know, all those people, they're dealing, they're going to be dealing with like dirty water and dirty air for years. Do you realize they still have dirty water in Flint, Michigan, and that happened years ago? And what happened in East Palestine with that train derailment with the toxic chemicals, that is a disaster. And they didn't even go because what? I think we all know it was Trump territory. I mean, are you kidding me? Buttigieg barely popped in. Remember, he popped in for five seconds, then left after he was shamed for weeks upon weeks, and then he finally went. I mean, what is wrong with this administration's policies, BJ? To me, it is so transparent. What are your thoughts, BJ? What do you think? They pick and choose that which is most uh, sellable in terms of their wokeness. So they don't want to go near East Palestine because that happened on their watch And there's nothing – they can't blame Trump for that one. There's no political cachet. Oh, by the way, they did blame. By the way, they did blame Trump, BJ. Remember they blamed him that, like, he changed some policy with the trains and that, like, you know, that that caused some of the issues that they had less restrictions on trains and that was something Trump passed a few years before and that might have played a role in the safety. 
Like, so any, any believe it's like disconnect, connect the dots. Even if it's like a Kevin Bacon, you know, six families removed, you still find, oh, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a T in the word train. Oh, that's gotta be Trump. You know, I mean, it's like, it is unbelievable. BJ, thank you very, very much. And by the way, everybody speaking about the blame game. I want to have you hear what John Kirby at the White House had to say. This was an astounding moment. Yesterday, the White House puts out their report on Afghanistan. Remember that pathetic withdrawal that we had from Afghanistan? And it was heartbreaking. Remember, of course, the 13 service members who lost their lives at Abbey Gate when the suicide bomber exploded. Security was a mess. The withdrawal was a mess. You saw so many of the Afghans chasing after the plane, begging for freedom. We left our allies high and dry. We left Americans high and dry. And so the White House said they did their own internal assessment. Uh, And again, Biden's the one who said, don't leave any troops there. We know for a fact that his senior generals all testified that there should be troops left there. They also testified that Bagram should not necessarily be given up, the Bagram Air Base, that that is a strategic base because where it's located in Afghanistan, it was a U.S. military base. Maybe we should keep the presence there, keep security in the region, keep an eye on ISIS and everything else. Well, Biden didn't do either, as we know, and it was catastrophic. And I couldn't believe here is John Kirby yesterday at the White House from the podium actually saying they're proud of their withdrawal. Take a listen to this. People don't have an issue with the decision to order troops out of Afghanistan. It is with the way that this president ordered it done. There were children being killed. There were people hanging off of Air Force jets that were leaving. And you're saying that you guys are proud of the way that this mission was conducted? Doesn't mean... Of that? Proud of the fact that we got more than 124,000 people safely out of Afghanistan? You bet. Proud. You bet. No self-reflection. No admission that anything they did was wrong. Just like the border. Just like so many other things that we have seen. It is astounding to me. And it's not a surprise. I covered the White House for a long time. And whenever there was bad news coming from the White House, you knew it was either coming out like on a Friday night, late, 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 or right before a holiday. So as we're talking, it's Good Friday. And, of course, it's Easter weekend, Passover, uh, Ramadan. I mean, there's all these things that are going on right now. And because of all of these things, what a surprise that suddenly they drop this sort of uh, after-action report in which they're not holding anybody accountable. They're not firing anybody. And John Kirby actually was asked, well, wasn't there chaos? What a, what a horrible, isn't there like some self-reflection? Shouldn't somebody be held responsible? Shouldn't somebody be terminated? Listen to this exchange where he was asked, and he basically said, I don't know what chaos you're talking about. What about the Afghans clinging to planes, begging for freedom? What about the ones that are still held hostage now and that were left high and dry by America? Uh-uh, no, no, no big deal. Take a listen to John Kirby. This was remarkable. How is this process and document not about accountability? You assign so much accountability to the Trump administration and very little comparatively to your own. After action reviews are done, uh, to uh, it's very common practice. They are not investigations. Uh, they're not. Uh, they're not criminal proceedings. They are. They're criminal proceedings. They are studying. They are studying uh, the 
the conduct and the execution uh, of operations or policy. Uh, and in this case, both state and DOD have now conducted these in a classified way. The, the idea is to learn from them, uh, to, uh, to apply those lessons learned as needed. And as I've said, we didn't wait for these reviews to be complete before we started using some of the lessons in Ethiopia uh, in Ukraine. That's the purpose here. The, the work is about understanding what happened, what, uh, what went well, what could have gone better, um, and then learning from that so that we don't make some of those same mistakes in the future. That's what it is. It's not, it's, it's not hunting for heads. Yeah, no chaos. We didn't see it coming. No problem. And then he was asked by Peter Ducey, you know, wait, 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 wait. You said you were proud of what you did. And then he also asked, wait a minute, you think that there was no chaos? No, no, no. I don't buy the argument, he actually said, that there was chaos in the moment. I don't actually think there were problems with the withdrawal. I didn't see it chaotic. I didn't think there was anything unusual. You know the irony of it all? Kirby himself, at the height of everything when it was happening, actually described it as a chaotic situation and was making excuses. Because remember after the whole thing happened with the suicide bomber that was horrible at Abbey Gate, where 13 U.S. service members lost their lives, and then there was a drone strike a couple of days later. And remember, the White House said, oh, yeah, we got our guy. It turned out it was an aid worker and seven kids. So it was a bad drone strike. It was a clear mistake. They didn't want to admit it at first. And then when, you know, Kirby was asked about it and he was at the Pentagon at the time, he's like, oh, well, it's the chaos of war. It was so chaotic. There were so many things going on. He used chaos as the excuse when they made a mistake. And then today he won't even admit that there was a shred of chaos or a shred of any accountability or anybody did anything wrong. To me, this is abominable. There were so many Americans who lost their lives over in Afghanistan. I mean, not even just in the withdrawal. They deserve justice and they deserve answers and they deserve a better withdrawal than the way that we left them high and dry. And the fact that nobody has been held accountable, because guess what? I guess the reason is Biden's the one who made the calls. So what is he going to hold himself accountable? They, They were blaming everybody. Trump. Well, Trump left us with this deal with Afghanistan and and he could have changed it. Are you giving me a break? Uh, well, so-and-so, the intel wasn't good. That wasn't correct. And some people said Lee Bagram, none of his senior people said it. They testified otherwise. I mean, they don't want us to believe what we see with our own two eyes. And sadly, we will never maybe get any accountability from this administration for one of the most dismal withdrawals in American history. We're going to talk about this when we come back. one 800 848 Nine two two two. You can tell I'm fired up. This to me is shameful. Our veterans and all Americans deserve better. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about the fact that the Biden administration has no sense of responsibility or accountability for the dismal withdrawal of Afghanistan that took place years ago. Take a listen. Uh, This is Senator John Kennedy, and he sort of describes it best uh, in his old Louisiana talk. President Biden's report on Afghanistan is a fable. The American people may be poorer under President Biden, but they're not stupid. Uh, President Biden's approval ranks right up there with jock itch. 
There's a reason for that. Uh, it, it's the president's, in part, his surrender to the Taliban in Afghanistan. Yeah, big time and surrendered in a huge, huge way. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norm, line seven. Norm, your thoughts. Um, okay, um, this ties into the thing that what happened in Tennessee with the protest. Um, first thing, uh, you can't use a bullhorn inside. You'll blow out people's eardrums. They don't let us do it here in New York, and they shouldn't let them do it inside of a, a inside of a building. And okay, the, and it was one. and it was the legislators too. It wasn't like just anybody. Correct. These are supposed to be you know the, the representatives, the officials. So go ahead. You're right. And the second thing, they're very concerned about gun control. Okay, I heard yesterday they gave a rundown of all the armaments that were abandoned in Afghanistan. 245,000 machine guns, M4 rifles, which are true assault rifles, were abandoned there. And they have underneath the barrel a grenade launcher attachment. Okay, now that went to a criminal regime, the Taliban. Okay, we have an open border. I'm just saying... Wait till wait till the fur flies and that military armaments are sold to the highest bidder come across the border because we have an open border and are going to be used by street criminals. And they're not registered or anything like that. And they're going to go, you know, my guess anywhere from five to ten grand will buy you that. And, um, you know. Uh, all our street gangs, the mafia, uh, whatever terrorists exist here are going to use them. So I don't want to hear about gun control because, you know, those things, they're common. Okay. They're common. It may 245,000. And that's just the M4 rifles. Let's, let's, we, we armed all these, uh, you know, allies of ours over there with other types of rifles, uh, uh, AK-47s usually, which what we what they usually get. Uh, those are also machine guns. This is these are not these are not the the things that uh, you can buy here. Okay, these are these are class three armaments. No, and you're and you know what, Norm? Uh, the I'm sad not even talking about. Norm, yeah. you bring up a great point, but the sad thing is, just like you said, they probably have already sold it to the highest bidder or whoever they can make money on. Um, and just like, and there are so many things we left behind. We could have taken it back. We just didn't. We left it behind. And how much of that I wonder too is already in like say Russian hands or Chinese hands. Um, I mean, it's not like the Taliban doesn't have uh, friendships with some of those people. I mean, it's just, it is an unbelievable, uh, thought of where a whole bunch of that weaponry is and why we left it behind. We did not have to. Um, I think that was one of the greatest errors in American history. And now they have our equipment, our state-of-the-art equipment that was being used over there. Thank you, President Biden, for that one. Uh, let's go real quick to Raj, line six. Raj, your thoughts. Okay. Okay, thank you. Yes, and um, and also we left that behind. And also our State Department actively hindered the civilian rescues. Of, uh, of those who are left behind. Remember that. And now, didn't Joe Biden make some kind of a deceitful deal with Afghani leadership regarding the uh, the rate of advance of the Taliban in that country at some point? I was very offended the other day when I heard on the top of the hour news on this station about that they're trying to blame Trump for the yes. withdrawal. He's blaming Trump. He's going to blame Trump for World War II. He's going to blame Trump for uh, the Titanic. Anything he can blame Trump. 
everybody. I love you all. Have a beautiful Easter, and I'll talk to you on Monday. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com.